Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. But I want to talk to you about deal with it. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, I'm reading just from the one verse of scripture to get us started here in the New Living Translation. It says, this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. I don't know if that resonates with you today, but it just seems like that everything that can be shaken is being shaken. I mean, I talked with someone yesterday that they were leaving the hospital to go, and in her words, to start a new normal because of the condition that her husband is in. And so she goes, we, we're going to start a new normal. And I thought to myself, it seemed like every week there's a new normal. Uh, has anybody else struggled to get back in any kind of a routine? And I think that's part of the problem is why you feel out of place because you haven't got into your old or new routine. And as soon as one routine is in, it is shaken and you have to change the routine. A friend of mine relayed a story to me about an ancient Jewish historian who shared a tale of cataclysmic change. As a Jew, he was a citizen of the special nation filled with proud people. A people who felt like their nation was better than any other nation and that their culture would endure for an eternity. But in a matter of a few days, Israel was no more. This historian wrote that the Romans had grown tired of Israel's constant uprisings and so they had marched into Jerusalem, killing millions, dismantled the temple brick by brick, leaving nothing, and according to historical record, poured so much salt on the soil that nothing would grow there for years. They changed the name of Israel to Palestine in the desire to completely erase the memory of a nation. He also was a believer or became a believer of Christ. Matter of fact, as a believer of Christ, he was a part of this new and exciting movement that had swept the world and who really felt like they had such momentum it seemed like that as the whole world would be Christian in just a few years. But most of the leaders of this movement had actually walked with Jesus. And now though all of these preachers and these were dead, murdered by this very same Rome. And as he marched into exile, he wondered what his tomorrow world would look like. For everything had changed. He had witnessed great change. I don't know in a single month, the month of March, how we have changed so much. 
everything changed. In the month of March, schools came to a close. Businesses closed. Churches closed their doors to people. It was a cataclysmic event that we are still moving through to this day. His experience all those years ago isn't that much different than ours, is it? We've witnessed our entire world in what seemed to be a split second. One day it was, and the next day it was not. And every generation and every land and every time has been subject to change. And so I'm talking about change this morning, but for some generations this change has been so slow moving it almost didn't exist. But it has it was like a current under the surface of the water, constantly moving, affecting everyone, but you almost couldn't feel it. The young becoming old, the old struggling against making room for the young. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? I don't understand how I have preached so many baccalaureate services and watched kids grow up and I look back here on the back row and which is Pastor John and his son uh, Jacob and, and I remember when they came to our church 14, 15 years ago that Jacob was a toddler and here he is today almost grown, 11th grader. 11th grader. And I don't understand how, that's what I'm talking about, the, it still moves even though you don't even feel it. The, I don't understand how he got older, but I didn't. How many understand what I'm saying? But it, it, it happens, right? Change happens. For others, like ours, it's like the man in the tail that I just told you about there was nothing slow about our change. It came violently, suddenly, like a massive earthquake shaking everything and forever altering the landscape. Those of us who lived through 9-11, we remember how it used to be to go get on an airplane. After 9-11, it all changed. Now it seemed like going to the restaurant has all changed. Coming to church has all changed. Going to parties have all changed. Everything has changed in a moment. Whether slow or fast, the landscape of change is constant. So that's kind of where I came with, up with the title is what can we do with all of this change, Pastor? Deal with it. Because you can't change change. You can't stop it. How many have ever been in a place or a season in your life you wish you could stop time? Man, there's been some places. I've been in some seasons of my life that, man, I wish it would just stay that way for the rest of my days. You know, how many remember when, you're, when, you're, when your kids got to the place where they could dress themselves? You're like, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
How many remember when your kids got to the place you could send them to the kitchen to get you something? Boy, it's a good times, right? But it doesn't stay there. It changes. How many remember when, when your kids thought you were the smartest person on the planet? Times change. Point number one is this. Life is change and life doesn't stop for anybody. It doesn't stop for anybody. And the, our, our focus scripture said that everything that will be shaken or can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And that thing that is unshakable will remain. Since change is something that we each must deal with, we ought to learn how to just deal with it. Now, let me tell you what change is. Change means to make or become different. Now, I want you to get that in your spirit. Change is to make or become different. John Maxwell said years ago in the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, he said that the only people who like change are leaders. And then about 15 years after he wrote that, he updated it and said, the only people who like change are the leaders who are making the change. Because he began to realize that hardly anybody likes change, even leaders, unless it's their idea. Nobody likes change. But change means to make or become different. Notice It is not defined as to make or become worse. Nor is it defined to make or become better. Change is just different. Just different. Change, let me help somebody. Change is not angelic and it's not demonic. It's just change. It's not necessarily demonic. It's not necessarily angelic. It is a blank state or slate that awaits our decision as what it will become. What will become of this new change in your life? I suppose all humans have a love-hate relationship with change. I like things to change the way I want them to change, when I want them to change, how I want them to change, and at the rate I want them to change. I don't like it when it takes on its own identity, and that's what change is. Change normally never asks you. If I would, I, you know, I, 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 now again, I don't want to get nobody nervous. I, I know that I'm not 100%. I had this trailer that I needed to get loaded, and Friday, that was my mission. I woke up. That morning is an off day, and I said, my mission is to get this trailer loaded today. Should have been an hour and a half, maybe two-hour job. It took me all day with a nap somewhere in there. I mean, I told my wife, I said, I might not have COVID, but I got something. I don't know what. I, I just can't function like I normally function. And so, if I were to have the change, I would still be as vibrant and as young as old Pazuti. 
But that's not the case. Change is not angelic. It is not demonic. We love to sing about change. I even like preaching about change. And people write poems and songs about change. And one of the greatest songs ever written is by by a man by the name of Sam Cooke back in 1965 when he wrote the song, A Change Is Coming. Man, I'm going to tell you what, I like that song. Matter of fact, I practiced it so I could sing it for y'all today. But I'm not going to. I just couldn't figure any spirituality in it. So I just decided I wouldn't. But I did listen and got my groove on. Anyway. But that is truth. Change is coming. And it doesn't matter. We're, we're all change. You know, if, if you're growing older, things don't work the way they once worked. I mean, I remember when I was 16, I never got a Charlie horse from sleeping. How do you pull a muscle sleeping? <laughs> anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Everybody over 50 is like, yes, sir, I know what you're talking about. All you 30-year-olds and young people, get ready. Yeah, J.D., it's got your name written on it. Matter of fact, I'm praying you get one tonight. Lord, just let him experience it tonight. He looks too healthy, Lord. Amen. Yet when change comes, most of us resist it. Why? Here's why. Are you ready? This is deep, man. Because all change involves conflict. All change involves conflict. It may be internal or it may be external, but all change involves conflict. Conflict with the way you want it to change, how you want it to change. You know, when, how, many, how many ever resist God changing things in your life? I do, all the time. Why? Because, you know, it, it, listen, if I've got to have problems, I'd rather have my own problems than your problems. Right? Have you ever seen anybody else's problem and thought, Lord, I wish I had their problem? There's only one guy. One guy came to me one day. He goes, Pastor, I got a big problem. He goes, What? He goes, I don't know what to do with all the money I'm making. I said, Bro, come on. I can help you with that. Yes, sir. How many want that problem? I want that problem. Yeah. But, but, but anyway, let me move on. But there are others, and the majority of us, who fight change, who resist change. Who curse change and some cuss change. But it doesn't change change. It's still coming. Whether you embrace it or whether you resist it, whether you bless it or whether you curse it, change is going to come. And if to change is at times heartbreaking, not to change would be positive tragedy. And what do you mean? If I, I, I preached a series one time on if you don't change... You wind up in chains. I want you to think about that. If you don't change, you wind up in chains. 
chains of yesterday, chains of addiction, chains, uh, chains of not being able to get past your issues, chains of not being able to move for tomorrow. But you see, the God who said, I change not, is the same God that ordains change in your life. So if, it is, so if change is a coming, and it is, then I would rather have a positive effect on what the change is going to be and what it's going to look like in my life. And I can do that with Jesus Christ because he is the author and the finisher, not only of my faith, but of my life. That's good preaching, Pastor. But now let me ask you this. Before we can ever change the world, we must change ourselves. Before we can ever change the world, we must change ourselves. Point number two is this. Let's talk about different kinds of change. Different kinds of change. Because there are all sorts of different kinds of change. But I'm going to give you just a couple of them. Number one is this, inevitable change. The change that you can't do anything about. It's inevitable to change. That beautiful baby cannot stay a baby. No, it's going to grow up and break your heart. Years and years ago, I heard, man, when, when, they're, when they just start, you know, when they just start out, you wish you could just eat them up. Then when, you grow, when they grow up, you wish you had of ate them. I heard you can't wait till they start walking and talking and when they start walking and talking you can't wait for them to shut up and sit down is that some truth that's change they must grow into a teenager and become an alien it's just part of life it's inevitable you wish they couldn't but they're going to they're going to get their own their own opinion where did this come from right and then they're going to go into their twilight. And, and we can allow this inevitable change to break our hearts. And how many know that there are some parents who are not trying to let their kid grow up? They're called helicopter parents, hover parents. They don't want their kids to grow up, but that's inevitable change. They've got to grow up, and we can either let it break our hearts, or we can accept it as part of God's plan for our lives and enjoy the change. we got to change in order to, to grow, and growth is a part of the divine plan. If you're going to grow, there's got to be some change. Now, hear me closely. Not all change produces growth, but all growth produces change. Am I, are you with me? Genesis 8.22 says, While all the days of the land remain, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will not cease. What it means is this going to always be this way. Cold, and I hate to tell some of you this, cold is as much of God's plan as heat. You know, somebody goes, well, Pastor, I, I don't understand the season of winter. Well, seasons of winter, when winter comes, how I many understands it kills off some of the things that are bugging you? It might kill off some things that is bugging God in the winter time. But then there comes a harvest time. There's spring and fall. There's four seasons. And as long as, there, as, long as the earth remains, it's going to happen. 
Summer is a part of God's plan just like winter. Uh, 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 Cold is a part of God's creation as in heat. You may like one more than the other, but as long as the earth remains, there will be change. Here comes another inevitable change, but then there's unavoidable change. Unavoidable change. Some things you just can't avoid. These are the changes that are thrust upon you that you didn't really have anything to do with. You don't really have anything to do with inevitable change, but you also don't have anything to do sometimes with unavoidable change. The loss of wealth. The loss of health. The loss of freedom. Sometimes you didn't do anything to cause this. How many, how many of you have, you know, the crazy part about one of the things I think about with my family is the two most health conscious people in my family are dead. One died at 56 or 58. The other one died at 61. They were the most health conscious. They ate you know, ate right and exercise, and man, they were long-distance runners. That's why I quit running. No, I'm just kidding. But, but they were health conscious. But they died. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you can live in a shell and live in a, under a rock or in a cave somewhere keeping everything away from you, but you still got to do life. So you can either, you can either uh, uh, embrace this change or say, God, I might not understand it, but I'm going to hold to your unchanging hand. See, even these, for the Christian who operates by faith, can be used by God. Let me give you a scripture. Romans 8, 28, everybody uses it. But the Bible says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, I want you to understand that I didn't say, and the Word doesn't say, I used, to, I used to quote the Scripture wrong. It doesn't say that all things work together for my good. I used to quote it like that for all. But it doesn't. It says all things work together for the good. And sometimes the good is not your good. It's somebody else's good. But here's what I do know. Everything that God's done me, if I stayed with him, has done me good. All things are not of themselves, by themselves, good or even enjoyable. Anybody ever went through sickness? You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I appreciate this. I, I'm just loving, I'm loving going through this sickness. I'm loving going through the, no, you don't do that. Think about Joseph. What about Joseph? See, God, whose wisdom surpasses all of ours, is able to somehow cause all these things to work together to become a type of alloy that is greater than the parts that made it. You know, alloy is you take this metal and this metal and you combine them and it makes a stronger metal than any of the other metals by themselves. So that's what God is doing to some of us is that you by yourself, your life by yourself, if all of these other things would not have been added in, the good, the bad, the ugly, if they had not been added into your life, you would not be the person whom God called you to be. You would not be able to stand up against the powers of hell. But because you've been through what you've been through, God has melded you into a warrior. He's melded you into somebody who can say, I might not understand everything that God 
God is doing in my life, but I will hold his hand because I know that God is for me. Genesis 50, 20 says, as you, you know, for, for those of you who don't know the story, uh, Joseph was sold into slavery. Then he was put into prison. Then he got out of prison, went to Potiphar's house, put back in prison, and then came out and became the second in charge of all of Egypt. And then his brothers who sold him into slavery appeared before him, and here's what he said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present truth to reserve many people's lives. Think about Joseph. The pit wasn't good. Potiphar's house wasn't enjoyable. The prison was not pleasant. But notice what Joseph said. But God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve many people's lives. To survive change... A complete systemic shaking, we must have a but God mindset. Hear that part. You need to have a but God mindset. This makes no sense, but God. This makes me so mad, but God. This makes me so sad, but God. In everything and all times, but God. Because here's the curse. I, I don't, what's my next one, Alex? I, I don't know if I have this. It is, okay. When we lose sight of God in the midst of the changes, all we will see is what we have lost in the process of the change. May I say to you, I'm guilty. I've been guilty. I try not to be, but sometimes I get into the same, same st- stuff. The things that you begin to lose, if you, the things that if you lose sight of God in the midst of it, you begin to look at what you've lost instead of what you have. Hebrews 12, 27, now this expression yet once more indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created in order that What cannot be shaken may remain and continue. Now, our focus verse was from the New Living Translation. This is from the Amplified Version. And it says, what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. Continue, don't view change as the end. Listen to me. Don't view change as the end. It's only the end of the road if you don't make the turn. My God. It's only the end of the road if you don't make the turn. You got to turn. You got to make the curve. You got to make the turn. Because it's not the end of the road. God God didn't give up on you. The curve in the road only becomes the end of the road if you fail to make the turn. It may be the end of that thing, but something better will inevitably take its place. Remember a few few weeks ago, I talked about the bow weevil in Enterprise, Alabama. The bow weevil came in and ate all the cotton of the farmers. Well, that was could have been the end of Enterprise, but instead they made the turn, started planting peanuts, and they're more rich today than they've ever been. Because they made the turn. 
Will you make the turn? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying don't just sit there at the end of the road. I, I mean, there's a couple of roads here in, in, in uh, Citrus County that, you know, it says take a right on such and such road. And I'm looking for the road. It ain't really a right. It's just there's no other way to go. Anybody know, anybody know, know those roads? There's several of them. You know, I, one of them is that trails in, you know, and, and you go on those, take this road and that road. No, if you don't turn, you just had to stop. And some people, you're, you're so focused on where you were going that you can't realize that there's a turn. There's a road right there. God has made a way for you to bear up under it. God's made a way of escape if you'll just look for it. Because in Christ, we have some outstanding promises. But here's what we do. What we lose will be restored, but not in the same form. What we lose will be restored, but not in the same form as when we lost it. This is important. Because when God gives it back, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it looks differently when it was loose on your plate. Presentation. Pastor, this doesn't look like what I lost. No, of course not. Because it's pressed down. Shaking together. Running over. Ah. Well, point number three is this. How to deal with change. How do I deal with it, Pastor? 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, The test and proof of all things, until you can recognize what is good, to that hold fast. Sometimes we hold the wrong things and the wrong people and the wrong memories. Sometimes... Nobody has yet invented a time machine that would take us five seconds back, more or less, more, more over than five years or ten years back. You can never go back. Jesus said, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind. It is fit for the kingdom of God. Paul told us to recognize what is good and hold on to that. Too many of us are holding on to what we lost. Too many of us are holding on to what hurt. Uh, Too many of us are holding on to yesterday. So I want to leave you with just three things, if I may. I want to leave you with three things to hold on to in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of change. It is this. Psalms 102 and 25 says, Of all you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands, even they will perish. But you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing you will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your, your years will not come to an end. Now here's where I want to leave you. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now but... One day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. But until then, verse 13, but until then there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, 
and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above else, all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Faith remains. It can't be shaken. Don't let your faith be shaken by events of this world. Don't let faith. See, here's the problem. I see a lot of, a lot of people changing their theology to fit their reality. My God, that's rich right there. They, they change their theology based on their narrative. I want to do this, so therefore that's what this Bible means. Instead of, Lord, what does this Bible mean? Let my life line up with this Bible. Listen, call me old-fashioned, whatever, but if God will help me to the day that I die, until the last sermon I preach, I'm not going to be politically correct if that means going against this Bible. If that means, Brother Bruce, that I'm a bigot, if that means that I'm ignorant, if that means whatever it means, let it so mean. Because I'm not going to change the meaning of this book just because I want it to fit the narrative of the culture. No, the, the, the Bible doesn't change because of culture. The culture is changed by the Word of God, and that's what we're going to do. I've been changed by the Word of God, not by culture, and I refuse to let culture have its way because the Bible said when everything is said and done, when the earth passes away, His Word will remain steadfast and true, and that's what I'm hanging to is the Word of the living God. So the word of God is my faith. That's why you need to know the word of God. You need to know because feelings change. Feelings will fail you, but the word of God will never fail you. Feelings will lead you astray, but the word of God will keep you on the straight and the narrow, and it'll cause joy to still be in your life if you will just allow the word of God to shape your life. Know this, that the possessing of faith that cannot fail is the result of knowing a love that doesn't end. Hope, that earnest expectation that God is going to amaze you with a demonstration of goodness and grace. Hope. How's he going to do it? I don't know. But I'm expecting to be amazed. I'm expecting to be amazed. I mean, I, I, I am blown away. The, listen, I, I, I've, I've almost quit watching the news. I'm telling you, I'm happier about it. How many watch the news and get mad? So that, ain't, that ain't helping nobody. Why don't you read the Bible and get hope? Read the Bible and get joy. Read the Bible and get faith. And then here we go. Love. Love, never surrender to the bitterness of the broken. These three things remain. Faith, hope, love. Love. You know, I've started, I've done it a little bit, but I've started doing a little bit more. I'll tell people I love you, ain't nothing you can do about it. 
You ought to try it. I love you. Ain't nothing you can do about it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I've had to tell a couple of people, you tried. <laughs> and it almost happened, but it didn't. I still love you. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Because see, here's the deal, man. The bitterness of broken people will try your love. And that doesn't, listen to me closely, that doesn't mean that you're a, that doesn't mean that you're a, you're a doormat. Doesn't mean that you allow people to walk over you, that, you know, that hippie love. You know, just love. I'm not talking about no Quaker love. Let people beat you down. And you, no, no, no. I love you, but I'll beat the daylights out of you. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. 1 Peter 1.25. Come on back. Let me say this to you, and I'm done. I'm talking about deal with it. Deal with the change. Hope I've helped somebody today. Before the pandemic, there was this Bible. Through the pandemic, there is this Bible. And when this pandemic is over, this Bible will still remain. It is the word of the living God. You can either fall on the word or let the word fall on you. Nobody can tell you exactly what our society will be like when this thing is over. You know, I was standing at Walgreens yesterday they have the shield there I thought I wonder how long this shield will be there you go to drive through they handle your bag and then put it in a a little plastic container and hand the plastic container for you to take the bag. Really? Pizza Hut. Touchless delivery. My wife said, well, that makes you wonder what they used to do before this then. They go and just touch your food? What? I don't know. This stuff just makes you go, hmm. Pastor, what are you doing differently through this pandemic than you did before? Being a little bit more cautious with my mask. For spiritually, praying more than I've ever prayed. Because I realize that the enemy is trying to isolate us. The enemy is trying to Take the church down. But I recall the words of Peter. That this is my church. And upon this rock I will build my church. And Jesus said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Hallelujah. So I don't know what it's going to look like when this thing is over. But I can tell you this. Hold on. I still believe that bigger, brighter, better days are coming. I still believe 
that you hold on to God, hold on to faith, hold on to hope, and hold on to love. Hope with the Word of God. Love with the Word of God. And have faith with the Word of the living God. Would you stand to your feet in this place today? If you're in this place today, and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you're in this place, and every head bowed, every eye closed, but you don't know Jesus, but you want to know. You want to ask Him to come into your life. Would you just slip up your hand, and you can put it right back down. I give you my word, I won't embarrass you. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.